listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 9to5 Entertainment System. On this episode, uh, we talk about a bunch of things. If you enjoy 9ES, do consider heading over to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribing to the 9ES Deluxe level, uh, where you will get access to Garbage Time, which is a bonus episode that we record each and every 9ES. On this week's Garbage Time, we talk about Marvel Snap, tires, and light bulbs. You know, your favorite things. Uh, but on this episode, the main episode, the episode you're listening to right now, we talk about Chucker Carlson, the Foo Fighters, tech layoffs, uh, strikes and stuff, some wrestling, Alice in Borderland, Dungeons and Dragon, Dragons, uh, Jim Rutherford and Bruce Boudreaux, and uh, probably a bunch of other stuff. Uh, sit back, relax, enjoy the show. This is 90S 278. <laughs> Or Fat Boy Slim, everybody. Total silence. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Our hundreds of listeners all just went silent in unison. Classic Fat Boy Slim, everybody. You know, Fat Boy Slim played uh, at um, Woodstock '99. Yes, but also uh, he he played a set at like Picnic Electronic this past summer, like the summer of 2022. I was like, wow. My neighbor went go. to see him, I think. And then I, and then I didn't. <laughs> yeah. If you listen to his new stuff, it's like, he's modernized. But I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I wonder what the live experience is. If he like drops like 90s, early 2000s, big beats. And like, I feel that maybe he like closes with that. Like he maybe plays like more like funk modern electronic. Hmm? He just drops Funk Soul Brother and walks off. Probably. <laughs> and then it loops. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, I feel that, like, if he's going to be selling out places or selling out, like, by packing out dance floors in 2022, he's got to play, like, kind of modern dance music. It's like, what, is he going to play? It's full of 20-year-olds. Like, they might want to hear a couple of, like, flashback hits, mm-hmm. but are they just going to want to hear, like, nothing but big beat, like, stuff? I don't know. I mean, maybe. I have no idea. I have, I have no idea either. That was part of why I wanted to go. But you didn't. And then I didn't. I went up to the cottage instead and probably sat in the sun and chilled out. Ice cold can of Coors Light. This is growing up. (laughs) This is growing up. I mean, that's that said, I'm like heavily, heavily debating going to Kavinsky uh, at Igloo Fest on Thursday. So I don't know how grown up I am. That's uh, oh man. If I didn't have plans on Thursday, I'd go with. You know, are you gonna go wearing a white with a gold scorpion jacket? I wish. Can you imagine how many of those there's going to be at a Kavinsky show? I bet he has a thing. Don't I mean, when it's, when it's, my, when it's minus 15, I don't think that many. It's an outdoor concert. <laughs> Maybe in the summertime. Right. Fair point. But in the summertime? Summertime? I hope so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, what's happening, everybody? It's 9 to 5 Entertainment System, and January is almost finished by the time you listen to this. Has anything happened? I don't know. There's like real world stuff going on, but I don't. I don't know that there's anything exciting going on. Have you guys seen any I, movies? I, I watched a bunch of movies and stuff, but I was going to say the the funniest real world thing that happened, I think, is we we talked about this that it's near parody, right? Like Tucker Carlson talking about how like getting mad like on air, getting mad at M and M's for making the M and M's less sexy and provocative. <laughs> Like so, it, it, it has funny. to be. It's it's a like like. Of course, it's a work. It's a fucking ad, is what it is. 
Yeah, without a doubt. But like, but that's my my concern is so many people watch it and and don't I think register. I don't think they do. I th- I think Fox gets like a tenth of the viewership that Joe Rogan does. Mm, I would beg to differ. Maybe than Joe Rogan, sure. Okay. But like millions of people watch Tucker Carlson. I guarantee it. Like I, I don't know. I seem to recall reading that it's like five million or something, which fine is five million people, but is like in the in the context of American society is like less than people think. It's these are like dinosaurs, Fox and the C N B C and them. But still trying to remain relevant. Anything Fucking other TikTok than a comedy more. show should not be talking about how sexy M&Ms are in any kind you, of You like, don't think Tucker Carlson is a comedy show in the same sense of like there, there's like left wing guys who do news, but they they only talk about the the stupid things Republicans do to get everybody jazzed up. Mm-hmm. This is like the other side of it. I don't think, but it's not necessarily comedy. I think that there's like I mean, there's the problem is as exemplified by Aaron Sorkin's The Newsroom is that like both Fox News and CNN are cable news channels who are interested in sponsors and advertisers and not the news. Like that that that's like the core. Of that's is. the crux of the problem with both networks. Yes, yeah. is that there is no actual accountability to them as news resources, like news sources, on either side of it. But yeah. it's it's doesn't make it, I think, any less like perverse when when either side is just drumming up stuff for ratings and politics and whatever else like that. And like and I think passing it off to a certain segment of the population as news. Like I watched that and was like, quite frankly, like laughing and giggling. Like it's insane doing side by side comparisons and talking about how provocative M and M's may or may not be. That's like, that's like Stephen Colbert when he was doing his like crazy right wing gimmick. Like that. That's it's that level of insane, but presented as not right. Like or at least not knowingly I mean, presented. I believe. Like obviously. I mean, I can't imagine for a second that they're not like behind closed doors. Tucker Carlson's like yo. I'm going to talk about sexy M&Ms. And everyone's like, Woo-hoo! Just you wait. People are going to eat this shit up. We're exactly, going to talk exactly. about the, the, high, the length of the high heels on the brown M&M. The fucking exactly. slut. And make yeah. fun of the fat purple M&M. And be like, we're talking about positive body image and M&Ms. What? It's, so, it's so weird. Anyway, yeah, what a, what, a, what a dumb world that we live in, I think, is basically the takeaway. What were we talking about? You were just telling us how we thought sentence. You said don't you think how we thought M and M's were sexy? Yeah, M and M's are sexy, baby. Sexy M and M's were sexy, and that that was. But but like Tucker just won because we spent five minutes talking about it. That was it. Yeah. Did he win because we spent five minutes talking about it? Because so many other people got really. We said Fox how many times on our media? I'm hope- hopefully enough to like trigger the algorithm, and then they reference us on Fox News, and then somehow It'll piss off our advertisers. No, I, I was just gonna say we'll get that Fox News like hate bump. You know what? Oh. Listen, every if you listen to Fox News and you want to get your Jimmy's wrestled, listen to that. Yes, <laughs> get like real angry. <laughs> uh, what was the other the other stupid like again like trolls are actual stupidity? The uh, the fiftieth anniversary of Darkside. <laughs> 50th anniversary? Yeah, the 50th anniversary. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. The Pink Floyd album. Right. So have you seen so the, released... the, the... Yeah, go ahead, Scott. So they released a little image on their social medias of the number 50 on a black background with the prism rainbow shooting through the zero. Mm-hmm. So there's... Well, no, not shooting through the zero. It's the, it is a, the rainbow is contained within the zero. So there's a rainbow contained yeah. within the zero. 
Now, you may be familiar with the cover of Dark Side of the Moon being one of, you know, the most recognizable album Fucking covers. One of the iconic album covers of all time, The Prism and the Rainbow. And, and the... Twitter blew up to be like, oh, what, Pink Floyd is woke now, too? Rainbow's a little much, don't you think? You're like, what? I, I, I bet you an analysis of those Twitter accounts would lead back to advertising companies. There is no fucking way. And trolls and idiots, I'm sure. Like, it, 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 I yes, can't imagine... Yeah, trolls, trolls, or advertising making that work, or like I don't know who. There's nobody who like earnestly, honestly criticized that that image for being woke. Unless someone who absolutely does not know anything about Dark Side of the Moon and is just like on a weird Twitter wave, like I okay. again, sure, 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 complete, absolute, and total ignorance yeah, slash <laughs> trolling slash <laughs> advertising. Exactly. Band, it's bandwagoning. Okay. Someone okay. saw 100, 100 tweets calling it woke, and we're just like, I can't be the last one in on this. Everyone must know that I like classic rock and hate the gays. Right. Four. The four participants <laughs> in Twitter. But, yeah, but like I said, like, like bandwagoning. Like you, you, John. Often, I think you believe that people are much smarter than they are. When there was a sitting politician, was like, who said. Like I liked Rage Against the Machine before they were political, like an elected who, who politician. Who said that? So it was some when uh, someone was using Rage Against the Machine for their intro song, and they got yeah. hit by a cease and desist by Rage Against the Machine, like a politician. <laughs> and someone was like, "I liked Rage Against the Machine before they were like were political." And Tom Morello was like, "What machine did you think we were raging against?" I like, think he went further than that. Tom Morello was like. It, tell me what album was that you thought wasn't political so I can stop selling it. It was <laughs> yeah. like, y- yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And that, that is a sitting elected politician <clears throat> who, who's, I mean, like, they're, they're dumb people, man. They're everywhere. Just, like, before Rage Against the Machine, how could you look at Roger Waters and just be like, I don't know what he's saying, but I know I like to drive to it. <laughs> what the fuck? How could you listen to the wall and just be like, "This is good music about nothing. There's no, there's no politics involved. This isn't about the world." <sighs> In other weird music news, I uh, was today years old when I like, and I don't know how I only found this out because I'm a pretty big Foo Fighter fan. That all my life is like as admitted to by Dave Grohl, about going down on a woman. Cool. Like, <laughs> okay. I was like... That's, that's Is this like where a, you pop up the lyric sheets? I, I, I kind of have two... I, I, even, I read through the lyrics, and there's there's certain, like, like weight keeping me down, like, feeling the vibe when I love the most, like, spread your legs and all that stuff. Like, like there's certainly, like, sexy time. And I was like, huh, I guess it is. But Dave Grohl is like, yes, it's about going down on a woman. I love going down on women. It's like, I think I'm super good at it. And I can change a woman's life. It can be one of the most memorable experiences of a woman's life. Like, he said it in an interview like 20 years ago. It was like, it's not like a some fans think. It's like him in a quote being like, yep, uh-huh. this is what I wrote those lyrics about. Dave so, Grohl. Yeah, I was like, huh, Dave Grohl's not getting political. <laughs> Dave Grohl's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's- Gonna be lots of Foo Fighter songs on Mega's politicians now as they walk out. <laughs> I somehow yeah. they're 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 they, they like announced the Foo their Fighters first... when they were just about oral sex. 
Exactly. Uh, Foo Fighters, they, they, they just announced that they were going to be doing their first, like, actual, like, non-tribute show without Taylor Hawkins. So mm-hmm. they're playing uh, the Boston Call-In Festival. With, uh, but they haven't really announced who is, like, going to be drumming. I was going to say, Dave, are you just going to do everything? <laughs> I mean, drumming and singing kid, is... That, like, nine-year-old kid that they had on stage a few times? yeah. That, that girl there? Yeah, she must be like 14 now. I've heard join a rock band. Yeah. It's just Nothing like... It's... could possibly go wrong. 14-year-olds, <laughs> year old girls and rock musicians. I, but like, what a rough gig, though. <laughs> like, being drummer in the Foo Fighters is like... Yeah, like, you have to be like real... You have to be like really, really good, but then also like, just shut up and do what Dave tells you. Like, that's the like... That's the job. Be like a top drummer on the planet but also shut up and do what dave tells you like color in the was it color in the shape or was it uh the other one there's like a there's an album where taylor hawkins recorded all the drum tracks in studio and then like right before mastering dave was like no and then just like stayed in for the weekend and then just did it all so like taylor hawkins is like credited as drums on that album but is like on one track and that's it like that's that's a a rough gig because you have to be like good enough to play like oh, Dave Grohl. Well, then you know who they're going to get. There's the perfect drummer out there for that. Huh? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Chamberlain from the Pumpkins. Uh, Jimmy Chamberlain. Jimmy Chamberlain. Just, just do it. <laughs> was he back in the news? No, it's just he he hung out with Billy Corgan and just told him what to do all the time. They weren't allowed. And then to he was do replaced by the... a drum machine, and it totally worked out. <laughs> It was not their worst album. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. There was there was other stuff after Machina of God that you forgot about. No, I said no, I said I said it was not their worst album. Right. <laughs> That's right, what right. Yeah, it's like he's it's a, isn't it a drum machine on Evador also? That yeah. was it. That was where it happened. Was was um, melancholy he was playing, and then Evador he was not. But I think he was also messed up on heroin, and like it, I don't know that he was like creatively part of the band. It's fun yeah, to even, joke about, but I think even I, I read even Siamese Bill Dream though. He's on Siamese yeah. Dream. No, it's all Billy. No. Billy recorded like 80% of all the instruments on Siamese Dream. Hmm. That's crazy. He just was like, now you guys learn it for the tour. You guys learn these instruments while I get my hair electronically removed. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I will not have any bald guy shots here. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, what can you do about it? I mean, it happened, but, like, he did it. <laughs> he embraced it. He had, like, a full head of hair in the video for Bullet with Butterfly Wings. And then, like, two album, two songs later, like, releases off of Melancholy. He's like, nope. Zapped. It's all gone. Really? Bullet with Butterfly Wings? I thought he was bald in that one. Maybe it's zero. No, the world is a vamp. Yeah. No, he's got hair in that biz. He's got hair. I don't yeah. know if it's a full head of hair, though. I mean, enough. He's got enough hair. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's... I don't know what else is happening in the news. Uh... Um, war in Russia's... Or in Ukraine is really ugly. Yeah. Or... Well, I mean, there was that. Zelensky was like, <laughs> I don't know if Putin's even still alive. So Really? Yeah, he said that, like, last week. He was like... Huh. <laughs> I feel like something would have changed if, he had, if somebody know. had bumped him off. 
don't know about that. I mean, uh, especially cons- I mean, like playing conspiracy theorist, I feel that like they're 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 in so it. deep that if there's any kind of a like actual cabal of people running stuff in Russia, they're probably like the play is to absolutely keep his death under wraps until some sort of a strategy is developed, right? Like to avoid the like absolute turmoil that is going to explode everywhere if it gets out. Like assuming that like Putin was already like like propped up by a group of people. Right. Like those group of people I think are like, yeah, stay the course and don't let anyone know he's dead because everything could collapse if he is. I mean the other side of that is he's totally the kind of guy that if he got COVID and got really sick would not let anyone know. That's why he's not in the the public eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You won't appear sick. Also possible. Soviet commander never get cold. Exactly. He's like, I got COVID and I flexed it out. Right. On a bear. It's possible. What else is there yeah. going on in the news? Uh, massive layoffs all across the tech sector. You guys have been following oh, that. Yeah, Like 10,000 people at Amazon, at Microsoft, at whatever. Google. All over. I don't know how much of a story that is other than just tech companies that hired a lot. And it's like, in a sense, it's covering for sloppy hiring slash, you know, training slash everything. You know, you could manage people or you could hire a bunch of them and fire the crappy ones. And, uh... Hey, I didn't get fired. Hooray! (laughs) Yeah, but I don't know. You're seeing. I don't think that counts as tech. I mean, there's still been massive layoffs for, like, years running. But never me. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. I mean, all of those companies are all full of very smart people who had good-paying jobs and never, ever once thought to unionize to protect themselves. Like, uh, I mean, or you know, I, there's there's a I'm, big article I think in the Atlantic that <clears throat> says the only place that jobs have um, that salaries have maintained parity where they should have. Like his is in IT. Everywhere else, salaries have not maintained uh, with inflation. Yeah, that makes no, sense. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because like, like, like just like, saying, like if you're going to start complaining about unionizing and whatever, IT workers make make decent salaries. Yeah. Yes, but then they get laid off in the tens of thousands. True. You know. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's. But like unions have their own issues to 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 deal with or whatever like i work at i work at a company that deals with a lot of unions and then like other other things that happen when you're like unionized or whatever is they put like hiring caps on and they're just sort of like oh can we replace somebody and we're like nope can't replace anybody like this is the amount of people that it takes to do this job and it says so in the like in the collective bargaining agreement so even though it's hard for that many people to do it this is what's signed on so can't actually hire anybody more because at least until next year when you negotiate like eh, like Companies are going to be shitty one way or the other. I think, like not not to not to be anti-union, but I think that there's so many lawyers and stuff that are trying to like finagle their way out of union agreements that even like the protection that a union offered or should offer is being like turned into Swiss cheese by <laughs> asshole lawyers who are like not like it becomes the lawyer's job to like undo the protection of the union when the union is just trying to watch out for the guy, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so lawyers are what are, are the buses striking again or whatever? I think I feel, I feel like I saw stickers popping up on public transportation. Is that happening? I don't know. I haven't been out of the house in weeks. Fair. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> do you guys remember? 
<laughs> Let's take the Wayback Machine. Do you remember when there was like the bus and metro strikes, but there was just like long periods of the day where there was no metro, where it was like they ran the they ran the bus and metro from like whatever it was like seven a.m. to ten a.m. and then like four a.m. to or four p.m. to seven p.m. and then like ten p.m. to eleven p.m. Then you were like, oh, I'm stuck at the bar after seven. Gotta stay till ten. <laughs> there was like there was like a couple weeks of like that was the STM strike when we were in college. You might not have remembered because you might have been on like living downtown, so yeah, yeah, it might have had no impact on you. But I remember back back when I was like living in Verdun or whatever, I was like downtown drinking a grumpies and being like, uh oh, what we can we do? Another three hours of drinking. I'm not walking back to Verdun, and it was like winter time. <laughs> I feel that I mean, they my were... favorite my favorite like protest strike action was the the Montreal Police Department just going, we're gonna wear dumb pants for two years. I love it. It was so long. Everyone, the whole city was just like. "Hmm?" They got. I mean, eventually they got their their agreement signed, but yeah, I don't think they thought that was the pressure tactic. They thought. I mean, it's a tricky one, you know. Like just in general, you think people should be able to to strike if they're they're not able to negotiate a fair salary, but you know, there are some enterprises that are monopolies. And the police force kind of is a monopoly. And so, mm-hmm. like, we don't have a choice but to, you know, if they were to strike and just say, like, we're not going to enforce the laws for the next who knows how long, everything <laughs> All crime purged. is legal for the next 24 so hours. that's why they're not allowed to strike, you know? And when they say, yeah. like, libre nego on, the, on their, like, protesting things, what they're asking for is, is, like, to put a gun to the head of the people negotiating with them. Well, they're asking for public support, but... They're the ones who actually have guns and put them to the heads of people. So, you know. Yeah, yeah but wasn't it much funnier when like the, the gun that was being like pointed at someone was where, being held by a guy wearing like stripy zebra pants? I mostly saw camo pants. I thought a lot it was of camo. Like, yeah, there a were a couple of camo pants. Yeah, there's a lot, look, a good, good number of hot pink camo. I remember the, the dudes. There was like photos of them like surfaced who were wearing like. Like shiny pleather pants, <laughs> like that's like the best. And it was like, but it was also like what Scott said, like for years, like people were just like, I remember someone coming like as a tourist was like, yeah, what's up with the cops? And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's like that looks crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> They're not in a uniform. <laughs> They're all wearing like red hats and have insane pants. Yeah, those are because I was like, yeah, I didn't even think they were cops. I thought they were like some other group or something. I was like, no, 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 those are the cops. It's fine. <clears throat> they have, they're wearing weird hats and have silly pants. Mm-hmm. They're, I, I assure you, if one of them is like, tells you to pull over, it's actually a police officer. Can you imagine if like, emergency room doctors did that? I mean, they should. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, I'm uh, sorry to tell you, we, we did everything we could. Why are you wearing hot pink pleather pants? Oh, well. <laughs> you know. i tell you about my labor negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, like, I also remember, like, I'm pretty sure most of the... I don't think I've seen, like, a sticker-free ambulance in, like, years. Like, ambulance drivers, that's a legit thing. Like, when you look at their, like, their salary and their mm-hmm. wages are, like, just a little bit higher than minimum wage, and you're like, that's yep. crazy. Does the people who drive the ambulance? That should be a well-paying job. 
pretty pretty high pressure, high importance, people's lives, all that stuff. Nah, let's pay this guy a little bit more than minimum wage. Cool. Have you seen the the ads for their their salary negotiation? It's it's no. fucking crazy. There's a bunch of them online now. Like right around Christmas, a family's having their little gift exchange. The the dad goes into cardiac arrest. They call nine one one. No, no one answers. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Everyone's screaming. The mom's like, "No one's answering. Why is no it's one answering?" It's going to voicemail. Cuts Says to we'll an call us call back center. in the new year. It's it's an intense ad. But I mean, like. That's how you do it. You don't wear pink pants for two years. <laughs> Scare the living crap out of someone. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, so what else? Yeah, I don't know. Because it's been, I feel, it's 2023, like, I mean, it's been quiet you... so far. We're almost a month in. It's in, in, in crazy entertainment news. Uh, the World Wrestling Entertainment. Oh, yeah. It may or may not news. have been sold to Saudi Arabia. After Vince McMahon just voted himself back into power with his 85% stake of the company. Yep. Is that how that happened? I heard that he was back, but I didn't didn't know the story. That's hilarious. He just owns 85% of the company, so fuck you, you can't fire me. And he apparently got mad at everybody who told him that he should step down because he was like, wait a second, I didn't have that many repercussions. I can totally come back. Oh, wow. And did. And then, and then Steph kicked his daughter out. Well, she instantly resigned. Yeah. Just like, yeah. nope, that's it. I'm done. This I can't. <laughs> well, slash... So the so word on the street is the we sold the company to the Saudis was like a handshake deal that they then leaked to be like, how bad is this really? So they were like, <laughs> like to test the waters. Answer really bad. <laughs> Answer really bad. And apparently it was, like, partially, like, the Saudi deal slash possibly working for Saudis slash possibly, like, a selling point that they would not, like, buy the company if the CEO was a woman because it was going to the Saudi Arabian mm-hmm. uh, public fund. Mm-hmm. Might be, like, a point of sale. Like, it was, like, a bunch of things where Steph was like, no, I'm done with this insane company. Goodbye. I'll just be rich now and not have anything to do with it. And then they were like, actually, we didn't sell it to the Saudis. Wink, wink. <laughs> Of we, the, don't, we don't know where those reports came from. Yeah. Are you excited what? for the Royal Rumble? Moving on. <laughs> oh, yeah, now that Vince is back? What could possibly go wrong with the dumbest, dumb, dumb old man on the biggest single match of the year? Super Fuck. All I know... I don't know anything, so I'm going to be watching the Royal Rumble this weekend. I literally don't know... I have not watched any WWE since WrestleMania last year. So I'm, I'm like 10 months out of the loop, except like I know a little bit of the Sami Zayn stuff because Pat LePrat always reports on it mm-hmm. and it's a local guy and whatever. So like I know what's going on with like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Yeah. Other than that, like, uh, like I don't know who LA Knight is, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he is wrestling Bray Wyatt in a pitch black match named after Mountain Dew Pitch Black. So they're just wrestling in the dark? That sounds like an entertainment Apparently, the, so reports are that there's a lot of neon, like, neon lights. That's what they've been It's going like, to be like doing... one of those old school Undertaker looks. Just like a bunch of black light on the ring. I guess. 
so but I mean but they've already but they've done that so hideous like when they did The Fiend completely they wrestled an entire match under red lights and it looked like mm-hmm. just unwatchably bad like they just cast like red spots on the light only and like otherwise blacked out the arena and you could see kind of nothing and oh yeah and they were in a cage too like they were in flipping a cage. other people around throwing them when you can barely see uh-huh yeah yeah, yeah contrast mm-hmm. is important Mountain Dew pitch black Anyway, um, and so Bray, Bray Wyatt made his return. <laughs> oh, that was the other thing, too. I remember Bray, I found out Bray Wyatt made his return, and then everyone, to, to like a lot of excitement, and then just cut rambling promo after rambling promo for the last six months, and this will be his first match since his return in like September. Like, wow, what a cool company. <laughs> you have a wrestler come back and then not wrestle for months and months, but give him mic time, everything, for him to just ramble insane lunacy. Well, the whole the whole build to WrestleMania is to get The Rock and Roman Reigns, and which is the fine. Rock, but there's there's twenty other matches. The like, The Rock has been playing hardball. He's he's like, I don't know if I want to do this. Why would I want to do this? Is the reason why lots of money. Let's let's sign that now, and they're just like, whoa, hang on, how about less than lots of money. So now they're floating the idea that Stone Cold's coming back to win the Rumble. And that's cool, because he's, like, almost 60. And and could barely wrestle the thing last year. Like, it was yep. not great. It was fun for him to hit the stunners, but he just clickety-clacked around on his knee braces for Which, a again, while. he was doing in 2001. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, his knees, his knee, like, like, for a good chunk of, like, peak Steve Austin, his knees were exploded. <laughs> Add twenty years onto those exploded knees, <laughs> and then then you've got someone like Cody there in the company, who's who's primed for his big comeback after just being disgusting in his last match. <laughs> like John, did you see that? So Which it was man? a pay per view. It was Hell in a Cell. It was yeah. Hell in a Cell. The the week before Hell in a Cell, he tore his. Oh, not the week muscle. before. It was like the it the, was the Monday the, before. No, it was the Friday before. It was, oh, was the SmackDown before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Like, less than seven days before this big match, in another match, he tore his pectoral muscle right off his bones and then went to wrestle a cage match covered in a bruise because all of the blood vessels exploded. Yeah, it's like a black, disgusting bruise all over his body. How do they hook it back up? The incredible amount of surgery. Yeah. But he put it off to do this match. Which, apparently, doctors weighed in and said, everyone was like, oh my god, he's like going to add to the recovery and all that stuff. And, and doctors were like, kind of once it's torn, it's torn. So it's like unbelievably painful, but he's per- not actually making it any worse. <laughs> like, it's like, like would, would under no circumstances advise, but you're like, he's not actually like prolonging his recovery or making our like chances to repair it worse or like any sort of thing like that. They're like, this is just like, it is what it is. Looking. Stuff is and ripped. It looks real gross. <laughs> and it looks real gross. And what he's doing is insane. And it's like a testament to, I guess, his pain tolerance or whatever. Because they were like, it's moving his arm is painful, and he's wrestling with it. Like, yeah, they're obviously like working around the arm, but he's still like, you know, moving and doing a match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was you know, those super, arms super that you gnarly. Used to break falls. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like, 
<clears throat> so they were like, it wasn't actually like medically dangerous. It was just awful. Yeah, god awful pain. And then yes, yeah, so he gets to have his big comeback, but now it's not going to matter because some some Cause idiot from the Attitude Era is going to win Royal Rumble. Exactly. It's so bad. It's so dumb. I don't. <laughs> like, I don't know who I'd rather win, like The Rock or or Stone Cold. I mean, like, The Rock. The Rock back, is still like or... physically capable of doing a match. I mean, yeah, because he does so many freaking steroids. Yeah, that's so that's fine. And he does a lot of action movies and all that stuff. I'm like, The Rock could work a match. Stone Cold can barely walk. Like, if you're gonna yeah. book something around it, like that's 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 the call. Yeah. It's going to well, be stupid one way or the other, though. I mean, like, if you're going to do that, just just have Shane come back and eliminate, like, ten people. Yeah. What about Undertaker? What's he up to? God. <laughs> I mean, he's retired a bunch. <laughs> he's retired several times. I think he's actually retired, though, at this point. Like, his, his back and stuff was all screwed up, right? Like... Yep. Like, that was... I, mean, I hope I, mean, I hope he's retired. I hope he's retired too. A lot of a, a bunch a name that like surfaced into the surfaced in the news and whatever else was just just to be clear, even though Tony Khan has no plans for him, CM Punk was not granted a release from his contract because <laughs> people were like, "Wait a second, you want you want to book a match that everybody's going to talk about? Pay someone like probably less money than The Rock, but still millions of dollars and get like." Get mm-hmm. eyes on the product. CM Punk returns at Royal Rumble. That'd be wild. What's, it, what's he up to? It's not nice. Really? But he's, uh, I mean, cur- like, currently he's literally rehabbing a, a pretty big injury. But then we explained his whole how he just went out of his mind and <laughs> kind of talked shit on a press conference and then right. got into a real world fight in the locker room. Everybody else involved in that fight has been allowed back on television and is working. So Uh-oh. things can't be like oh, chill ever- for him. Except for Ace Steel, who got let go. Yeah, but Ace Steel bit somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else had fisticuffs. Ace Steel bought biting into it. I feel that, like, no, my feel like hey, my... boys will be boys, and Ace Steel bit someone. My favorite thing of all of that is just trying to picture Brandon Cutler in that fight. I still feel he's just using the cold spray. <laughs> Everybody calm down. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. I can just, you know, I can I can easily picture Kenny covering the dog, being like, "Someone save the puppers." Perfect yeah. sense. That I can picture that. I can picture Punk being really loud, his mouth just flapping, yelling at people, pointing fingers. I can picture Ace Steel biting someone. I can picture the Bucks being absolute jackoffs. <laughs> totally. The, the look on their face just. Daring everyone in the room to slap them, I I can't imagine what Brandon Cutler's doing. <laughs> like, well, why is Cutler there? Why filming is filming it for BTE? Was he filming it for BTE? <laughs> is there like there's a chance that there's a video that Tony Khan was just like, no, never, give it to me. No, never until like twenty years from now, where they're going to be the dark side of AEW. <laughs> Or until Punk comes back for a title match. Yeah. <laughs> Punk, A Steel, and the dog challenge for the trios titles. <laughs> well, whatever. The Dax and uh, 
Cash. Dash and Cash are, are on a kind of hiatus, getting some time off. I mean, they After, should be super pissed off. They should be super pissed off. They're a really great tag team. And then Creative has nothing for you? Get out of here. We, we've collected all the other titles. Can we get a title match against the Acclaimed? You know, a super champ versus champ? No. No, brother, that's not going to work for me. Just fight whoever. And that, that also reeks of they're mad at Punk. Like punk, punk's friends can't catch a break. Yeah, they're just, they're just, they're just, they're guilty of being punk's friends, so they can't get booked and shit on the company. That's bullshit. I hate that. Man, I mean, that's also what happens when there's one guy running the show. It's like it's like a slightly less crazy guy than Vince McMahon, but like it's one guy doing all the booking, all the creative, all the contracts, all the everything. So Mm -hmm. if that guy's mad at you and your buddies wrongfully or not there's like nowhere to go other than that guy right he's the actual owner he's the main booker he's does all the contracts all the money stuff if he's mad at you you're not on television which sucks i like i like ftr i like ftr too so in other news i watched all of a tv show in the span of a week which show was it, and was it what good? show was it? it? I mean, it was. It was season two of a show that I was already pretty into. It was Alice in Borderland. Man, how's that? Yeah. It was super fun. It's like the most stressful television there is. <laughs> as every, every episode has, as a centerpiece, some kind of a high-stakes death match, right? Either be it like a physical, mental, or like sometimes a little random, sometimes rigged, sometimes not rigged. You know, it's all kinds of different different types of death matches, but the stakes are always death. So season one culminated with, like... <clears throat> basically, it seems like almost everybody in Shibuya, or a lot of people in Shibuya, were then transported from Shibuya into a place like Shibuya in the fact that it was, like, you know, looked like Shibuya, but nobody else was there, no electronics worked. And then there were, like, these weird games, and the games had a value of 2 to 10, and they were represented by a playing card, and the suits had various meanings, which is, like, a heart game was, like, usually, like, a game of, like, emotion and, like, sacrifice. A club game was a team game. Diamonds were a, usually some sort of, like, gambling or something was involved, and then spades were uh, physical competitions. And if you won the game, you got the card as, like, a little keepsake. And then the value of the card was added to a little visa that was on your little phone. And that meant, so if you got, like, a seven, you got you didn't have to play a game for seven days. And at the end of seven days, if you didn't play a new game, a laser would come down from the sky and just shoot you through the head. <laughs> so, That'll do it. Yeah. Uh, so that's, what, that's the incentive, to keep on playing. Once they accumulated a full set, like, four sets of nine cards, I guess... Uh, oh no, aces. Yeah, aces were there too. So it was ace to ace to ace the ten. So four sets of ten when they collected forty cards. Uh, all the other games stopped, and then uh, a bunch of like zeppelins like s- like flew in from the horizon with giant face cards hanging from them, and uh, that was the end of season one. What and a twist! Season two, they have to fight the face cards. <laughs> they fight <laughs> like the, the face cards. Is that like yeah. blowing up the ocean? I guess so. American gladiators. Well, it's the a contestants lot. Contestants have battled each other, and now it's time for you to take on laser. Kinda. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> like, 
So like, but like, so you go into these games, and then these games would be like competitive games, like against like the Jack of Clubs. Like the Jack of Clubs was a title that was like bestowed upon someone who was like, you know, who it's got to the de- show, yeah? yeah, 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 yeah. So like the Jack of Clubs, like, in, like seems to like have designed the game, so it's obviously like better at it than you. <laughs> And so then you need to like challenge him. So it's not just a like a random challenge with like a group. It's there's like a clear competitive element that you are like someone has this like face card title that you need to you need to take out. And like for instance, like like they all kind of still have like their own little arenas, but like the King of Spades just appears to just be like a guy with unlimited ammo just wandering around the streets shooting up everybody. So you gotta like be on the lookout for the King of Spades. I, I got mean, the like, impression he... from the ads that it was like post apocalyptic kinda. Well, Yes, because, like, there's nothing going on in the city except for these games. So, like, right. it very quickly generates into, like, a post-apocalyptic kind of scenario. And, like, also they sort of they sort of get into it, uh, like, time seems to be running more quickly in the game. Like, things are rotting and decomposing, like, in the, in the game world faster. Oh, shit, like, is it couple... getting losty? Uh... I will say that I don't. I really, really, John, you'd really enjoy it. It's super fun. Yeah. Like you can just chew it up. And the ending, like they more or less stick the landing. Like I was like, boy, I was like, this is an anime ass anime. Like <laughs> even though it's live action, like it's everybody is a super crazy anime like character. Everybody is like one dimensional anime character guy. Like in every person you meet, good guy or bad guy. And I was like, boy, this could get real crazy at the end. Like. Looking at you, Evangelion and stuff like, like how how out there are you going to get? And it gets it does get pretty out there into how they sort of tie it all together. But it's actually like I was like, oh, I'm not I'm not mad at this. And in retrospect, it all kind of makes sense. Like, is it over? Um, so. The... No, at at the end of season two, a deck of Uno flies out of the sky. Oh no, it's reversed. Yeah, <laughs> pick four. Damn it! So the the manga in Japan is over, uh, and the series ends where the manga ends. However, there's like kind of something at the end of the series that like leaves the show possibly open in a way like that I, I guess like it ends satisfactorily like you're not like there's no real like questions but the I think they, they kind of because it, apparently it is the it is the most watched Netflix show if you like ignore English audiences so it's the most watched international show on Netflix supposedly mm-hmm. so like it beats wow. like the heist and all that stuff if you just like Again, like Squid Game and stuff, kill it. Like, so it's not like the, like the biggest, like whatever, but it's like the remove English audience from the data, it's and it's the most watched Netflix show, like in that mm. metrics. Which is obviously like I, I don't know, I don't know what that's worth, but it's like something, you know. Like you're you're not touching Stranger Things numbers or whatever, but like that's still got to be like financially viable if it's pulling in that kind of audience, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. We watched like. Uh, we watched like one or two episodes a night, and then marathoned like the last four on Friday. We were like, That's and that crazy. was like our plan. We were like, let's let's do it. It's really fun. It'd be a really good like again if you're watching it working out or whatever. I don't think yeah. I think it's a little little too like it's quite violent and and like and and like 
yucky kind of thing. <laughs> yucky. Uh, y- you know, like I'm saying, like it, it's like it's metal people... or more like a battle Be- royale. Like the battle spade royale. games, spade games are pure like battle royale. But then, like the, the, some of the psychological stuff is like is pretty wonky, right? Like picking your friends to die and all that stuff, and like like choosing who's gonna die and like all those like that stuff is kind of like. It's like a bummer. It's not just like it's not just crazy over the top battle royale stuff. Some of it is, but then... just you wait. With how successful Squid Games was, how many like replicas of that are we gonna get? We're gonna get like the edgy dark one that's gonna be just way over the top. Yeah, that shit's coming. Well, I mean, Alice in Borderland predated Squid Game though, so and mm. and and the manga predates Squid Game by like an even bigger stretch. And uh, apparently, they also kind of like. Which is shocking, because I said the characters are, like, incredibly one-dimensional. But they actually, like, added depth to the characters, which was not in the manga. Like, the manga was apparently, like, just all death games all the time. And, like, really didn't have any sort of character development or growth. Like, That's kind of awesome, in, a, in, like, a dark way. Yeah, which, like, doesn't yeah. surprise me about, you know, certain manga, right? Like, that's... Sure, some of sure. it's Some of it's just there to be insane. Uh, and, yeah, they, uh, they don't really pull any punches in terms of gore and all that stuff, so I don't see... I don't see your partner being super into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be a while I'm while I'm playing video games type of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that and that's the other thing too. You got to watch it in Japanese. You don't have to, but like the dub, like we we like made the mistake. We're like, yeah, season two, Oz Borderland. Let's settle that. Oh no, 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 no. Switch it to subtitles. Yeah. We're like, These, <laughs> I I don't know why. I'm like in general, I think I'd want to watch subtitles in almost any language, but like whenever it's available, yeah. Yeah, like, with the only exception being Cowboy Bebop, the animated series. It's because they went above and beyond to get the good voice cast. Well, the good voice cast and also, like, a good translation. Like, it's the, the, a number of things properly translated instead of literally translated and stuff. Like, but it does sound good in Japanese, too, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can watch uh, both, I know. I, yeah, I've seen both also. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty mm. good. Lotus War I like better in English. I haven't seen that in so freaking long. 25 years, I'm sure. Almost. Hmm. I mean, Good Robotech sounds. technically only exists in English, but, like, I've watched It's a different Mac- story. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Macross. Like, I've, I've seen Macross. OG Macross subbed, and it is it is a different story. Yeah, <laughs> but... And then also doesn't contain Southern Cross or the Infinite Invasion. It just ends. Some dude did a history yeah. of that within the last year that I read. That was fucking awesome. And it was like 30 pages. He did the whole history of how, like, who made the calls, what were the finances that led to those three animes getting chopped up the way that they were. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was pretty good. I wish yep. right now that I remembered the, the blog or whatever it was who did it because it was so good. Yep. Toy Galaxy has a pretty good video on it explaining yeah. it, too. That's, that's worth, mm-hmm. worth looking at. Hmm. Anyway, Speaking Alice of, in Borderland, uh, would high, rec- high, high recommend. Right fantasy on. television. Riss and I started season two of Vox Machina. Man. Out there before Hasbro sues them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You gotta gotta watch your, your your Vox Machina. I mean, oh yeah, we that happened. Yeah, all, all that nonsense happened without uh, the, without ninety S's approval. <laughs> Comment. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Come on, we're two we're two pretty regular D and D players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm I'm a pretty big consumer of Vox D and D stuff. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. 
So the, the right. TLDR is they were revisit. They wanted to revisit the the open game license that is like governed over D and D for quite some time. Although, as certain people, like our friend Ian pointed out, like uh, TSR, like used to stand it stand for like they sue regularly, right? Mm-hmm. Like when mm-hmm. uh, when What's Her Face kicked out Gygax, it it became like a massive revenue source for D and D was just suing every other game company that was like remotely close to fantasy role-playing. Yep. Like, so this is not, like, unprecedented in the world of Dungeons & Dragons, but uh, it's new. Well, what's unprecedented is that it's at the height of its powers by a wide margin. You know, like, the audience is bigger than it ever has been, and there's more people taking advantage of the OGL than there ever has been before. You know, like, when they were writing it, did, did blogs or did, like, a podcast exist? Fuck no. So the idea of there being, like, people watching like millions of people watching D shows and them getting not a red penny for it i can i, I kind of understand how hasbro yeah i mean i I, I think that at the end tower. of the day i honestly think that hasbro probably bought a property that they overvalued in their head like because or so it was m- sold with the with the understanding that you would find a way to monetize that stuff yeah which which they then did not <laughs> yeah like like D beyond was not the monetization the avenue that I think they imagined it would be. No, and... they just... They, no, it was the only one of their properties that had this thing that let other people do it. Like, all of their other stuff was toys and Yeah, properties. exactly. Like, I can't make and Play-Doh. They, <laughs> yeah, they, well, they licensed toys and, and properties, and then all the G.I. Joe and Masters of the Universe and all that Kenner stuff that they owned, they, 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 they put it out there, they license it, they crash the paycheck repeat like just yeah. go through the same cycle again and they didn't understand what was going to happen with the the license so all this stuff was out there and just a bunch of like old executives were like well where's the check for this that's yeah. it that's that's all it was it was like super Simple, yeah, but, didn't uh, but I think, but, but even still, I think that just like fundamentally, they were like, "Wait a second. So one guy buys a bunch of books, <clears throat> and then another five or six guys play games every single week, and we get zero money from those five or six guys. Like, like ignore the open game license from a like content creator, like podcast or whatever. That's just the D and D model. Like, mm-hmm. someone's looking at that, being like, "Wait, what? <laughs> like." Most of our players don't spend any money on this at all. Like, that is a just fact. Someone buys some bunch of the books. Like, I'm sure there are many, many, many gaming tables that buy, like, a PHB, a DMG, and a, like, uh, a campaign book. Monster Manual. Monster Manual. I mean, the, no, no, even but, but you don't even really be Monster Manual that. if you have a campaign book. Like, half the stat blocks for the people are in there, and you can easily find monster stats online, no problem. Like yeah. You can re- easily find all of them online, no problem, really. But like, th- and then you're just sort of like, okay, so three books, and then you know, six guys are like sit there and play that book for three years. <laughs> you're like, wait, that was that was where we made money off of. Like, it's yeah, but no, it's not just that. Like, when Wizards owned the company, they had other revenue streams based on supporting that. Right, Dungeon and Dragon magazine were both Wizards of the Coast. I would yeah, bet anything; those guys never made money. And yeah, I don't think those magazines made money. Yeah. But, but when they stopped, they were like, "We can't compete with 
the blocks. internet. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're just... What we were doing has been around for 25 years, and now it's a magazine, and we can't compete with the internet. Which is the same for all kinds of hobbies. Like, Wizard Magazine stopped, and Toy Fair stopped. And, of course, they stopped because they were printing paper, but they willingly gave it to the fandom to take over. They specifically set it up in, like, whatever... 2002. And they're just like, hey, we're not doing this anymore. We're not putting out little three-page things. We're just gonna, like, let you guys do it. We don't have to pay anyone to maintain this interest machine to keep people reading and talking about Dungeons & Dragons because you guys are doing it anyways. And they open that door and they just 20 years later are complaining that there's termites and spiders in the house. Like, I wonder it's, how much of a of a ding into the total revenue stream of D&D the OGL products actually are, you know? Because, like, what on, are they at our table, over 20 years, we've bought, like, two or three of them. Really. And we've been yeah, buying I, products all the Well, I, honestly, the, the where, where the money is, I'm sure, and the money that they're actually going after is your your ad revenue from Vox Machina. Like, Vox Machina is millions of views on YouTube. Millions of views on YouTube translates to actual, like, hundreds actual of thousands, money. if not millions of dollars. Right? Like, plus, that, is, that is, that's, I'm plus, sure that's the money that they're targeting with this. It's not, like, it ends up being everybody because of the language, right? But, like, but that's, that's the target, is... No, these, the target was Amazon when they, they licensed Vox Machina. That yeah, was, that was... Yeah. Once but then, it's like, but, the, but then that becomes unbelievably, excuse me, unbelievably complicated to litigate because there's no dice or whatever being rolled in Vox Machina, and it's also it's it's a that user created world. It's not Veyrun. It's not anything else mm-hmm. like that. You're like, how do you prove that this was ah, the a basis blue dragon, of D&D? though, Keith? A blue hmm? dragon, right? You fight a but, blue dragon. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Is I, that, I that think Blue Dragon was already settled, that they're not allowed to do generic stuff like that, but they are everything else. So, like, Beholder, Displacer, Beast, any of those, if they appear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But, but that's, that's it. it. And and they didn't, and Critical Role was careful enough with that, but a bunch of 70-year-old guys at Hasbro were just like, where's my, where's my check? They didn't understand. They did, They were like... Yeah. Yelling at their freaking interns. How come Amazon's not buying this show from us? And they're right, like, because, well, because that's not even our campaign setting, guy. <clears throat> okay, okay. Well, so no, it's, it goes back even more. News. It goes back even more. Go. It's because 20 years ago, 15 years ago, Hasbro had no interest in doing this stuff. Right? Hasbro totally could have done, hey, you know what's fun? A podcast about people playing D&D. And we're going to get some people, and we're going to well, do 20, it. 20, 30 years ago, Hasbro bought the game no, in like 15 years ago. ago. Uh, Hasbro like, bought it very Wizard, recently. Wizards too. then. Yeah. Hasbro yeah, could have yeah, done it when they bought it over. Hasbro could have done it when they brought it I mean, over. They like, did. This is a D&D podcast. It's official. Really? Is it yeah. real play, and is it good? No, 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 no. It's like they, they, they talk to all the creators and stuff. Like, it's actually pretty interesting. Like, I listened to the episode no, no, about... No. Uh, I listened to the spoiler-free episode mm-hmm. about, like, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, talking with the guy who wrote Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Man, I want to listen to that. What's it called? It's, I'm pretty sure it's just like Dragon Podcast or whatever the heck it is. Huh. Like, nice. uh, I'll, I'll send it to you. But yeah, they but they also have like ask a, like ask a dev and all that stuff. And like it's a it's a pretty good podcast. It's not actual play. It's like really like about the game, and it's actually like pretty good. 
Anyway, that's sad. But like all the things that they're mad at were things that they had no interest in doing themselves, and they could have if they yeah. wanted to. If they were I mad mean, about other like Vox Machina being done, then they could have done it. They could have created this stuff as a property, and instead they've created freaking. Dragons of Autumn Twilight garbage animated series. I'm actually over here looking for my DVD of that to see if it was Hasbro. Like, I really wonder. No, I'm sure it wasn't Hasbro at that point. But I'm just saying, but then then there are times... Before that, it was the Dungeons and Dragons movie. It's just how much money are they going to make? And I think they're going to make money off the D&D movie because it's theirs. They got promotional consideration for Stranger Things because Stranger Things, like, say Dungeons and Dragons and pay for those pay for mind flavor and pay for whatever like that's the thing that i got i'm what's so insane is i i don't think like i agree with you scott it is dumb dumb old people seeing some dollar signs where there's not any and i also agree with you where that it's like they don't understand the product but i think that they also might not have understood what they bought and how much of D happens without D's kind of like consent like how many dungeons and dragons games use the rule framework and then yes the monsters but then nothing else like how many homebrew campaigns are sitting around a table is like the core of the game in many like many servers probably the most of them yeah exactly uh, I mean yeah, I feel they, probably they less had, nowadays they had the sales data for 40 years worth of stuff they yeah. knew they knew yeah but I mean yeah. I feel there's, there's there can easily be a slick salesman being like look at Stranger Things everybody loves D&D and then yeah, them, that's, them that's, thinking just, that they could then grow the product in a way that never panned out. That's that's my... Because they were so content for so long to let other people do it for them. Yeah, which and is And every not time it. that they tried, they did something bad. Every time they tried anything that was not dice and figures and books, it was bad. I mean, even some of the dice figures and books are pretty bad. Like, dude, you're... <laughs> well, they were fourth edition. Right, there was there was a big people really didn't like it, and that was part of them trying to develop new revenue streams by making there be more of a focus on miniatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I stopped playing D and D. Fourth edition was the number one reason I stopped playing D and D. Number one. Well, number you should one. come back because fifth is more like second edition than than any other one. Yeah, but great. you know what? That sounds a lot like like my my ex girlfriend being like, "Hey, you know, a lot better now." She's learned a lot Don't of new care. tricks, Scott. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean... It, but like, that's what it was. They, every other property they have, they're able to put out. They're able to put out a new G.I. Joe thing all the time. They can make a new toy line and people will buy it. And they can make a new cartoon and it's going to look like G.I. Joe and they do it. And then they try to do that with Dungeons and Dragons and they miss the point because they give it to people who don't love it. And it sucks. It blows. Yeah. Like I said, I also just think, but I think that just like, like I said, fundamentally, a large portion of your player base gives you no money. And I think that they like, they probably thought that they knew a way around it (laughs) and they haven't found that way around it. And it ain't the current strategy of D&D Beyond. And now they're probably real mad that they haven't monetized it in a way that like might have been a promise, right? Saying, "Oh, well, we'll get." Well, there. right now they're really mad about having fucked up this whole situation. Not not so much about anything before. The like the the devastation that's going to come out of this is going to be huge. Like yeah. Pathfinder releasing a new license under which to to release these titles. 
apparently there's been huge, huge, huge numbers of people shutting down their accounts in D and D Beyond just to like stick it yeah. to the man. Even the that that little the little. I mean, they landed. I was I saw. I picked up the. I haven't read it all, but I've, I've been slowly making my way through the Blade Runner role playing game from Free League, mm-hmm. and. First of all, like, amazing stuff. Just, like, reading it. Like, the guys, like, I sat up and, like, started up my own game company. And, like, they're, like, relatively new. Like, it's, like, less than, like, ten years ago and stuff. And he's, like, we literally had, like, moonshot properties. And, like, Alien and Blade Runner were, like, on those lists of being, like, we would love to make games for those. And then, like, started off, like, building our system and doing whatever. He's, like, if you were to tell me that any time in my life I would, like, land these properties, I would be, like, crazy. If you were to tell me that, like, less than ten years from starting my company... I'm making the Alien game and the, like, Blade Runner game? That's crazy. Yeah. But anyway, but they also sent out an email to be like, so they use the, the Mutant Year Zero kind of engine, but they've, like, hacked it extensively. So they also were just sort of like, by the way, like, we know that the Mutant Year Zero engine is, like, is open, is OGL, but we've done, like, enough changes to it over the course of all of our development. We're making all that open license also. Like, every company is like, our license is going to be open game license because we understand free advertising. <laughs> like, like you're yeah. like, hey, Vox Machina is a free commercial, a one-hour-long commercial for your product that 10 million people watch every week or whatever. Why are you going after them? Yeah, maybe don't make it hard for them. <laughs> like... Anyway, yeah, I think, like, yeah, like, Paizo did it, Free League's done it, like, a lot of the companies are like, hey, and I mean, like, I've looked at the the Pathfinder system before, it's not that different, guys, like, if you're like, if everybody chooses the nuclear option, that's a game that would take, like, maybe an hour, like, take the DM a bunch to, like, learn the nuances, but as a player, you'd be like, okay, this was that in D&D, and this is this in Pathfinder, and you're like, got it. I don't know, man. If you're you're not remembering the the like late era 3.5 edition where there was like a thousand books, all of them with feats, all of them with whatever, and then you'd have yeah. like one guy sit down at the table with a character from the the DMG or like the original book, and then another guy sit down and they're just like playing two different games. It was, it, yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying about the core rules though. But I'm saying, but then as a DM though, you can you you still pick and choose, right? Like you can be like, yeah. we're not playing with all those books. So yeah, I just mean like the core system is incredibly similar to a D20 system. Like, that's... I mean, the, it is. It's D3, D20 3.5, kind of, no? Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. it. Like, and, like, obviously, like, tweaked and hacked however they want. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, if, like, if that was, like, if that was what it took, if people were, like, oh, D&D is now, like, unplayable for whatever reason. And, I mean, then, like, I was, like, even then, like, if you just hit pause right now, you know how many... It's fine. Fifth how much material is out? Like, yeah. okay, no new material for D&D. We could literally play these games forever. Like... <laughs> The the I like mean, you always could. People yeah, played two could. forever. Exactly. People played three forever. But people are still playing two. People are missing <laughs> out on, on how easy it is to move all of the two content into five as well. Like anybody who's been paying attention, you barely have to change anything, and and the numbers just work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's yeah. there's people who who were playing their game, right? They're just like we don't need to stop and rewrite the rules. We don't need new campaigns because we're not using the campaigns we're just running yeah, we're, we're playing we're playing the, the the dungeon masters homebrew setting mm-hmm. so why do we need more rules? anyway a new I'm, book. I'm, I'm a curious new, to see how it's all going to shake out in the end if they're going to if they're going to find a way to pull people back well apparently the, um, the, the last i, I could... heard the last i heard was that they were increasing the dungeon master 
subscription fee on D&D. <clears> and that was probably coming down the pipe real fast. And apparently that was a, like, getting pushed by the higher-ups at Hasbro, despite protests from Wizard, despite protests from, like, the lower-ups at Hasbro being like, this is not the time. And yeah. apparently this is, like, coming down the pipeline like a big... Oof. Oh, I know. Coming down the pipeline like that big, stupid, like, Mastodon statue in the uh, Anorak's temple. <laughs> Esserorak's temple, I should say. Remember there's the big Mastodon that was on wheels and just, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. pulverized? Coming yeah. down. <laughs> it's just... It's instead of a like, boulder. It was a big, like, big Mastodon statue on wheels. They could have they could have gone to Critical Role first. They didn't have to wait for Amazon to do it. There should be... A Vox yeah, it could have been it could have been Vox Machina on on D and D dot com or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, could have happened. been Vox Machina the book published by Wizards of the Coast. Can you imagine a a, a format of watching a D and D game where, as a, as a spectator, you're viewing the table they're playing at and you see their die rolls and stuff. There could be a whole like spectator I mean, that's environment. What? That's Critical Role, pretty much. Yeah. But I mean, like, supported by the game engine, and you do it all inside. Like, if Roll Twenty was developed by somebody who knew what they were doing, you'd have the ability to have spectators at every every table. You know, think how yeah. awesome that could be. And the fact that they're not there after having this property for however long, or even more so. I mean, like, just, just guess what? Like, a lot of processing and whatever, and like, World of Warcraft is a thing. You could have like this super cool three D engine model or whatever of all the characters. So, like, yeah, it only exists for Vox Machina. But it could well, look great. You're like, I cast what do you call it? And you're like, I cast whatever spell. And then you see a full 3D animation. <clears> so you see the players doing it. But then you have like a full video game style playout of all the action that's happening on the screen. You actually kind of do have that. Neverwinter Nights 2 can support up to 40 <clears> players. And they have persistent worlds that you log into. Like, like <clears> you're, I'm going to play D&D. There, there can be or not be a DM there. You, you don't know. And the DMs have like live tools to spawn things and pre, you can pre-generate scripts so things will go through conversations that you set up ahead of time. It's yeah. pretty intense. It's not not great looking. You know, the engine's like 15 yeah, that's what I'm saying, but like, but like I've, you could nowadays with Unreal yeah. and stuff like just have all that and it wouldn't for even sure. be like for sure, for it wouldn't sure. even be like a boring table to look at. It could be like an exciting animated table that you're watching while all this happens. Nah. Just like Battle Chess came out when? 40 years ago? <laughs> 40 years ago. <laughs> you can just ago. animate Battle Chess came out at the same time as Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's super stupid. Why is Battle Chess woke? <laughs> <laughs> but when the rooks transformed into golems, that was dope. Yeah, but why can the queen move far and not, not the king? This fucking liberal agenda. Woke culture. <laughs> I wonder what's happening with old Neiman. We haven't heard from him in a little while. Do you remember the, the guy, the guy, the the chess grandmaster who was accused of being uh, oh having whatever? vibrating anal beads in his bum? Yeah, he kind of disappeared. He sued for a hundred million dollars, um, Magnus Carlson, and then I haven't heard anything. But I read a bunch of people saying this is like a YouTube channel, Legal Eagle, who goes through like. Yeah, 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 whatever. Anyway, he did a breakdown of the the lawsuit. And was like, this guy's out of his mind. He's fucking. Yeah. Not he did. He did a D and D one also, which was also being like. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, no! He, he talked about this OGL thing. I, I, it was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then he was the one who was like, it would be incredibly difficult to litigate this. Yeah. This new OGL, but at the same time, as it, as they pointed out, maybe guys like Amazon can go go toe to toe with Hasbro. But like, little guy who just published his little Kickstarter and made a few thousand bucks. That guy, that cease and desist goes down. You fucked. 
Mm-hmm. Although even then, even even then, they were saying that it was like they were going like the royalty payments were if you made more than seventy five thousand dollars, right? Like they were not collecting any royalties under seventy five thousand dollars worth of profit, which is like I'm like. I know, but I'm just saying, but it's like, again, the knee-jerk reaction is I was like, man, those those Kickstarters are not making that much money. Like, Well, I don't know, man. A really big Kickstarter? A really sure, big man. Kickstarter. $75,000 sure. is not, you know, not that much. It's not that much, but it does certainly protect the, like, I made a little homebrew campaign. And, like, I think, like, the one that Eric was really excited about was that, like, 30 or 40. So I'm right. like, yeah, that 30 right. or $40,000 okay. goes to that guy. <laughs> you know, like... And then if it's above $75,000, it is a high royalty, but it was like a 25% royalty or whatever, which is, mm. I absolutely agree, is high. But I'm like, it is it is not entirely crazy. And I think the argument can be made, if you made $100,000 off of a and d thing, you do owe some money to somebody. How much and whatever, I'm not going to like mess around with, but like... You 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 have name recognition. You're like my module is a D and D module that will work with your D and D stuff. Gives you a whole bunch of thing other than my module is its own thing. Like what's going to get more exposure and more downloads, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. you are benefiting from the monolith of D and D. There is a version where like some kind of reasonable and fair method of if you make a bunch of money off of it, you do owe someone something. <laughs> like. Yep. Yeah, but the the model is so broken because then you just cur- encourage, discourage people from using your system. When well, that, that's what I said. Like I'm like the, the, <clears throat> maybe maybe that's a hundred thousand dollars, right? Like do whatever you want. If you make less than a hundred thousand dollars, no lawyer is knocking on your door. Yeah, but even then, it should just be like they should use that for scouting. Hey, you made a book. That well, abso- first of all, they books. absolutely do, sir. <laughs> like there are many much like in the video game industry a bunch of like homebrew creators and stuff like that and that then get purchased get signed on and become creators of legit campaigns that is a thing that happens which is exactly how it should be yeah all of but these I, people I, that have done this that are working for that company now how, right but it, 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 it's, I'm just thinking about it like from like a video game perspective you can develop and release a mod for free no one says anything. You start charging for that mod, hey, like, knock, knock, who is it? It's EA. You know, like, as soon as you start making money off the mod, things get dicier. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, I, I can kind of understand Hasbro's point of, like, you can make a bit of money off of this, but if you're making a ton of money off of our thing, there, there needs to yeah, be some checks they, and balances. They can still die in a dumpster fire. There's, like, better stewardship of the hobby that is not going to involve <clears throat> these kinds of shenanigans. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I, that's it. Yeah. That's it. They but, fucked it up, and they're trying to... They're playing catch-up. Backhill. You know? Yeah. Also, I mean, I guess to, to close it off, their, their apology, non-apology was like, we meant we meant to redefine the OGL to prevent hate speech. That was our purpose. That was always our purpose. Oh, uh, cal- yeah. calm down. Gaslighting. Dive, Hasbro. duck, dodge, dip, <laughs> dive. Yeah. So that was that was insane. Their their apology was insane. <laughs> we meant to was it, was huh? it up there with Jim Rutherford's apology to Bruce Bujo? No. Mm, that was a choice apology there. Oh, they fired Bujo? I haven't read this or heard this. Oh man. So Bruce Bujo. I mean this might be garbage the... time listening. <laughs> no, but it's a perfect segue. God damn it. Perfect We're segue. Okay, apologies. It's super fast. I'll get through it really quick. Bruce Boudreaux was the coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the executive team manager, Jim Rutherford, didn't really like him. Didn't really want to sign him during the offseason, but he had another year on his contract. 
has also like openly kind of been like meh on the coach, like like in in press conferences, being like not my first choice for coach. Like while the guy's coaching, your boss is just like slagging you in press conferences for Arshals. for like over a year now. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Uh, two weeks ago, he does an interview where he says, "Yeah, I'm I'm totally looking. I've been talking to people to replace him." Doesn't fire him. Just tells everyone, "I will one day." And I'm, I'm looking into it. I'm interviewing people. Let's him go out there and coach for two more weeks. <laughs> the fans on this this Canucks team, bad Very team, bad. not not good team. Can still and we're supposed recognize. to be okay. They were a bad team that were supposed to be okay. Like the Habs are bad, and we're like planning on being bad. Yeah, the Canucks team were supposed to be on the upswing, and are like Habs bad, and and their fans still recognize. That that's not okay to do that. You can't, you can't just say that out loud and then uh-huh. do nothing. Like you can say we're not happy with the direction of the team is going. We're making a change now. Let the guy go, and then like put an interim in while you're looking for his replacement. No, he lets him dangle in the wind. He's got to go out after every game and have a press conference and answer questions about, hey, did your boss fire you yet? Because he said he was gonna. Fans rally behind him. They're cheering. Canucks keep losing. He's crying. Crying. On Saturday night, the the fans are cheering him on after they lose the game to Edmonton. And he's, like, on the bench as all the skaters go off, like, waving to them and and just weeping. 70-year-old man crying on national television. (laughs) And they still only fire him the next morning. (laughs) Just doing the best he can. Jim Rutherford comes out and says... He's he's the guy who threw all of this under the bus. He then says at the press conference to announce this, I feel like maybe I've been a little too blunt with you guys in the past, so uh, I'm going to let the general manager handle all the questions for this. <laughs> um, you know, I guess that's on me. So one, he he gives a non-apology. Like, it, my bad for being too honest. <laughs> and And then two, doesn't even handle the press conference to announce the firing and replacement coach gives it to his underling to do yeah hockey hockey even then that goes against all hockey rules coaches don't get left dangling like that and fired coaches don't get cheered by the fans coaches coaches who should be fired when playing on a bad team are usually not getting like standing O's at the end of a loss right in the middle of the season. Like, it's not like, I'm retiring, this is my last game, everybody. It's like, everyone knows, you're getting fired because this team is losing. And it's still not enough for me to be mad at you because of how shitty the other guy is. Ugh. Yeah. So bad. Great note! Yeah, don't make anyway, 70-year-old men cry on national television. It makes you the bad guy. The only 70-year-old men we want to see cry on national television are the 70-year-old men running Hasbro. Yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> Fire uh, them. I wouldn't leave them dangling either. Fire them now. This is the 90s. Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. 
If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just, you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you could get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 9to5.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.